All right, we're going to jump into the, uh, week two of the series called Level Up. Uh, really, it's a series on mental health and, and mindsets, and so uh, we're glad you're with us in Grove Central. Glad, glad you're with us online. Thanks for watching. If you missed last week, I would encourage you to go, go catch it because that was kind of the setup for this week, uh, talking about what, what it is that um, is important for us. Because here's the thing. In life, if you ever won or lost a major battle, when I talk about battle, I mean like with finances, excuse me, with finances, with maybe addictions, with, with different things, right, relationships, you first lost them in your mind before it ever began to, you began to realize it out, outside of who you were inside your mind, right? So it always starts in the mind. So the battle is won and it's lost in our minds. And so we're talking about the, the series. If we're going to level up, if we're going to go to the next level, if we're going to become better in every area of our life, we have to uh, begin this with our thinking, with the mindsets, with the way that we process things and think about things. And so we're going to talk about that. You know, there was, um, I don't know if you've ever been to like a circus or some kind of um, place where they have these really big elephants, right, that are just kind of out there where people are walking into these tents to see it. There's this elephant, really big elephant, massive, and they have this little wooden, uh, this little wooden stake with a little rope tied to the stake to, to its neck. You ever seen this? Anybody ever seen this before? And you would think like all, is, all that's holding it back is that elephant from, from running and stampede and killing me is a little rope and a little stake. Like, what are they thinking, right? Well, it turns out when that elephant is really, really small, they don't use a rope. They use like a chain. They use really something really strong. And they don't attach it to a wooden stake. They attach it to concrete or something really massive they can't move. And so that elephant tries to get away and fights and fights and fights, try to get away from this little thing around its neck, right? And early on, it realizes no matter how hard it fights, no matter how hard it tries, it's never going to get free from this this thing. So it, in its mind, it put, there's a switch that flips. It says, as long as there's a rope around me, I am no longer free to roam. I am stuck to this thing. So at, at a young age, they, they train this elephant to be stuck in this mindset so that the rest of its life, whenever you put a little rope around them, it could be very small, right? As long as they can feel it. And a little stake that they could break really easily, they just don't ever move from that. Because in their mind, they have been trained, if you ever you can never get free from that thing. And so the rest of life, they'll live that way, right? So what does this have to do with us? Well, our mindset is the same way. There's things in our life that we're stuck in different areas of, of relationships, maybe finances, uh, whatever area of our life. We get this mindset where we think, I will never be free, or it'll always be this way, right? And we can never change. Well, that's not the truth. Uh, the truth is we can change the, the responsibilities. It's up to us. We have the responsibility to begin to make the right choices, the right decisions, and it all starts in our mind. So last week we said it's not what you are that holds you back. It's what you think you are that holds you back. Uh, there's a quote from, um, I think it's from, from Henry Ford. He says, uh, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. If you think you can be successful or you think you can't be successful, you're right. It's a mindset, how we approach things. And so it's up to us, right? So it's not what you, what you are that holds you back. It's what you think you are that holds you back. So last week we said, make sure you replace the lie with truth. So identify the lie and then learn the truth so you can replace it with truth. That's one of the key ideas for this whole series is you have to understand your life. You have an enemy that's always going to bombard you with lies. Learn to identify them and then learn how to find the truth from God, from his word, and begin to replace those lies with the truth, right? And so you'll never, you'll never level up. You'll never beat, beat the game if you don't learn that you have to identify the things that hold you back so you can replace it with the truth. And then we said your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if your life is going in a good direction, most likely your thoughts are going in a good direction, relationally, financially, emotionally, mentally. If you like that direction, it's because your thoughts are leading you in a good direction because your mind, your life will always follow your strongest thoughts. If you're a negative person, typically they'll take you into a negative area, right? 
So we have to learn how to win the battle in the mind. So Paul tells us in Romans 12, 2, he says this, um, don't, be, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. The mindset, the way we think is really important, right? Instead, so don't just go with the flow. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. You, you focus your attention on, on God, he'll begin to change you from the inside out. He said, readily recognize what he wants from you and then quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging, us down to, dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He develops well, well-formed maturity in you. So he wants, to level, wants us to get better. He wants to become a better version. He wants us to get a, a higher score, a better score, become healthy in all areas of our life, right? Because he's calling the best out of us. But notice, culture is always dragging us down to a level of immaturity. God is saying, I want to mature you and grow you up so you can be healthy and responsible. Maturity is always connected to responsibility. Mature person takes responsibility for their life. Immature, immature person doesn't. They always blame others. So they did this uh, study with some monkeys uh, a long time ago, and they wanted to find out what culture and what mindsets, how, how they affect us. And so what they did is they, they got this group of monkeys in this big cage, and they put these bananas right at the top where the monkeys can cl- climb up to get them. And so they put these really fresh, good-looking bananas, right? And the, the monkeys saw them and went for them. And as soon as the monkeys went for them, they turned on these hoses, like, like fire hoses, that would spray these monkeys with water, right? Like, you can't touch these, right? So they would go for the banana, spray the monkeys. They would freak out, and they would stop. And nobody would go for the banana. They would just look at them, right? So they introduced a new monkey into it, and the monkey would see the bananas and go for it. Monkeys would start freaking out. What would they do? They would grab the new monkey and pull him down from getting the bananas. Like, no, you can't get that. So they'd freak out. So over time, they would, they would introduce a new monkey, take an old monkey out. To the point of all the monkeys were new monkeys and never knew what took place when somebody would grab the bananas. They never experienced it. So this new group of monkeys, one goes to get the bananas. They all freak out, grab the monkey, and pull them down. So culture always dragging us down to its level of immaturity, Right? So mindsets and culture could be like this. We don't want others to succeed. We don't want others to, to get better or whatever. They, we pull them down, right? Stay stuck with me. Stay thinking like me. Don't ever improve. Don't, you know, don't become something different. Where God is always saying, hey, I have something for you. And it's not just a, a prize I dangle in front of you. It's, it's who you can become. And even though the new monkeys never knew exactly what took place, the culture of that, the mindsets of where they, what, what they experienced became so strong, even though they could get the bananas, they never went for them and they stayed stuck in their life. I think a lot of us, sometimes in different areas of our life, are exactly like that. We stay stuck because of what we've been taught, what we begin to think about. And so we want to challenge that, right? Let's not just conform. Let's, let's be transformed what God wants to do in our lives. So let's talk about the mind, right? So the mind, it is the non-physical spiritual part of us. The non-physical spiritual part of us. So the mind is different from the brain. We tend to think, like when I talk about mind, I point to my brain, right? Well, it's not just, it's not our brain. It's attached to the brain. It impacts the brain. But the mind is the, it's the part you can't see, right? It's what you think. It's what you feel. It's the choices you make. That is your mind. It's, it's the spiritual part of us that impacts the rest of our lives. So that what you think, what you feel, and eventually what you choose always gives you the outcomes in your life. So that it doesn't start with our behavior. Typically, we try to figure out something, how to change our behavior. If you want to be successful in life, you have to change the way you think. Because that's going to change your feelings. That's going to change, then lead to your change of behaviors, which will make a bigger impact in our lives, right? So um, it, it's separate from the brain. And it really, the mind, it builds thoughts in the brain. So it does impact the brain, right? Because they can study the brain. Neuroscientists can look at that and figure out what's going on. And so the, the thought lives, it, it does impact our brain, right, for good or bad. 
But it really what, what happens with the things we think about, right, the things we think, feel, and things we choose, they actually it grows things inside of our mind. In fact, they, they've identified that a thought actually looks like a tree. So the stronger the thought, the, the bigger the roots, and the stronger that, that tree is inside of your mind. So you can imagine a landscape in your mind of all these different trees. Those would be the different thoughts that you think about all the time. And here's the thing. When you have a tree, like just in, in, in life, if there was a tree that we're trying to grow, an apple tree, the more you water that tree, the healthier it's going to be, right? Well, our thoughts are the same way. The more you feed a thought, the more it's going to grow. So what you feed grows in your life, and what you starve always dies. So if your thought life is negative, it's because you're feeding negative thoughts. And if your thought life is positive, it's because you're feeding positive thoughts to your, to your brain. So our, our mindset and our mind is so, so important because it impacts our relationships, it impacts our, our choices that we make. All right. So a few years back, uh, Prince, Prince William uh, was out and about talking to people, and they, they snapped a picture of him. Right. And the tabloids showed this picture, and they said, Prince w- William flips off the reporters. Right. And so uh, one picture was circulating of, of Prince William's giving the finger. Right. Well, it turns out that there was that wasn't the whole story. There was different perspectives to this incident. And if you had the wrong perspective, you would think he was an angry prince that was mad at the reporters. But if you look at, at the exact same time, other, other pictures that were taken of him, you'll see that something else was taking place. Let me show you what it looks like, all right? So perspective is really, really important. So this first, first picture, right, if you're looking from the side, <laughs> it looks like Prince William is looking at some reporters and giving them the finger, like, you know, just flipping them off. Can you see it? Maybe with me? Yeah? At the exact same moment, somebody from the front took a picture, and you can actually see that he was actually counting three, right? I don't know what he was saying. I like three tacos, please, right? Whatever. He was asking for something different, but they spun it to say, this guy is angry. He's mad, right? It's just not good. So if you had the first perspective, you would think, if this is your mindset, your perspective in life or work or marriage or whatever, this is hard, this is difficult, man, everybody's out to get me. But if you had the right perspective, it's like, wow. He's asking for three tacos. We get to eat three tacos tonight. This is awesome, right? So whatever your perspective is, it's going to impact the way you see things. This is what mindsets do for us. This is what we think about. The thoughts that we think, they impact us, right? So um, there's this, this word that they use for planes. Talk about the position of a plane. They say, what is the attitude of a plane? Is it, is it going up, right? Is it, is it, or is it going down? Is it descending or is it in, climbing up? So if the attitude is positive, it's going up. And if the attitude is negative, it's going down. How interesting that it's about a position of a plane to determine if it's positive or negative, if it's a good attitude or a negative attitude, a bad attitude. The same is true for us. Your attitude is the exact same thing. Every day you wake up and you choose the attitude that you have. So you maybe heard this word disposition, right? Disposition is kind of the default setting for your life. If you have a negative disposition, you're in an, it usually see things in a negative way. If you have a positive disposition, you typically see things in a positive way. This comes to us part from personality, part from up from growing up, part from experience in life, right? That we tend to see things either positively, positively or negatively, whether optimistic or pessimistic. And so in our lives, attitude is so, so important. But really, attitude is a, it's a, it's a mindset. It's a, it's a posture, a position. Are we going to look for the positive or are we going to look for the negative things in life? So it's, it's, a, it's an outlook or a mindset. And attitude can also be to, compared to a mindset. Um, in, in high school, I joined the soccer team my freshman year. And it, and it turns out that the team I was joining the year before was really, really, really good. Like they went to state, almost one state. It was pretty awesome at Capitol High. And it was, it was the year before, it was, it was, they celebrated it. Well, 
that year that they went to state, like half of the seniors graduated. So then half of them came back. Juniors came back as seniors. And so I was on the freshman team. And we, we weren't really as good as the year before, but we were decent. Right? Not horrible, but it just wasn't as good. So we, lost, we lost some, won some. It wasn't that bad. Well, my sophomore year, all of those really good players that were the two previous years, they graduated. And that was like young players. And we just weren't that good. Like we lost all of our games. We got beat by a lot of points. It just wasn't a good team to be on. And, and here's the reason it wasn't a good team is because um, the ones that were – underclassmen under the really good team, they were really negative because they're like, remember the good old days? We were so good, and now we are horrible, right? We lose everything. So what happened is we'd go into these games, and we would lose the game before we even got on the field. Why? Because their disposition, their position, their attitude was, we're going to lose. Before we even stepped on the game, we knew if we were going to win or lose because of what was being talked about. And these guys went in saying, yeah, these guys, they beat us last year by ten point, by four points. This year, they're going to beat us by ten points. And sure enough, they would mercy rule us in the first half, and we would lose. So I learned pretty early on my sophomore year that as we would lose these games, if I was going to play any, any, and improve, I had to have a different scoreboard because the scoreboard that we were all looking at was not a good scoreboard to look at. So I changed the scoreboard. I said my scoreboard is how hard I hustle, how many balls I win, how, how, how hard I'm working, right? And, and the challenge I gave to my teammates is it's not, this game is not just about this game. It's about our next game and our next game and next year. Because if we don't push and don't hustle and don't try harder, we'll never become better. We'll never be able to get to a better, a higher level, right? We'll never improve. And so it has to become a different mindset because their mindset was this. So as soon as the other team scored two goals, it's like, everybody stop playing. I'm like, guys, we can't stop playing. We'll never improve if we don't stop playing. So I learned I have to have the right position if I'm going to improve myself, even if nobody else improves. It's a, it's a choice that we make in our lives. So let me show you a story in the Old Testament um, that – that kind of talks about this. The last week we talked about the people of Israel. They were slaves to, in Egypt, right? And God used Moses to, to lead them out, kind of a type of, of Christ. We talked about that, right? The Messiah leading them out. What Jesus can do for us for Easter, we just celebrated that. And so he rescued them from slavery, from being slaves to the Egyptians. But then when they're now following him, he, he wants to go through this process of trying to get – he got them out of Egypt. Now he wants to get Egypt out of them. All of those former ways of thinking, all of the different habits and, and the mindsets that they had, he's trying to remove those things. He's trying to keep them away from things that would lead them in the wrong direction. He begins to give them these, these laws and these rules to follow, right? It's really protection. It's really guidelines to help them know how to live a, better, a free life and a better life. So he's trying to keep them out of Egypt again, but he's also trying to take Egypt out of them in this process. And so uh, for, for almost two years, they're, they're traveling and they're beginning to follow his lead. And he's giving them these commands, we, the Ten Commandments, right? He gives them on tablets, things like that. And, and they're going through this process of they trust him, they don't trust him. They trust him, they don't trust him, right? They, it's a frustrating process for Moses, for the people. Well, they get to a point finally where God says, okay, it's time to go into the promised land. Send some, some, some people to go scout it out, some spies to go into the land to scout it out. We're going to pick up the story in Numbers 13. Moses picks one representative from each of the 12 tribes of, of, of the Israelites, right? So he picks one representative to represent that tribe. So 12 guys going into the promised land to go scout it out. And so it says this in Numbers 13, that Moses, when Moses sent them out to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the, the Negev and onto the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns they live in? Are they unwalled? Are they fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? And then he says, do your best to bring back some of the fruit from the land. So they go into this land, and they go being a spied out. And we're 12 guys. They go in to go look at the land, represented from each tribe. 
to take it out. It says that while they're there, they actually cut down a, a single cluster of grapes, and it was so large that it took two guys with a pole, between them on a pole to carry them. I don't know if you guys ever gone to the store and got some grapes that really like luscious, right, and big and plump, juicy, plumpy, plumpy, is that the right word? Plumpy, it sounds funny. Plump. There we go. Thank you. Plump grapes, right? <laughs> plumpy. <laughs> okay, so plump grapes. You look at those grapes and you're thinking, man, these are good. And you pick up that cluster and it's like this big and it's, it might still be big, right? So imagine a cluster of grapes that was so big you had to have two people carry it. That was what the land was like. So it was pretty impressive, right? And they also brought back some pomegranates and figs, it says. And then after, after it says this, after exploring the land for 40 days, this group of 12 men, they returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel in the wilderness of Paran. So 40 days is always, whenever there's 40, it's always representative of a test. God has always wanted to give us a test. Will they pass or will they fail, right? Will they, will they learn? Will they trust me or will they do their own thing? Always a test. And you see this over and over throughout scriptures. 40 years is always that point where God is testing something. So he's testing them. What, what are they going to come back with? What, what's the report going to be? So they reported the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This is the report they gave to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed bountiful country, land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it was it's an awesome land, right? What God had promised to their ancestor Abraham, he's now going to give it to them, right? It was, it was his land, so they're gonna, he's going to give it. So indeed, God was accurate in explaining this is going to be an amazing land to live in. Um, and they say here's the kind of fruit it produces, right? They show them there. But then they add this word, but. This is not a good word, right? Uh, but always negates what was said before because now they're going to say how they really feel. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. So it's kind of like, this is a great land, right? This is the position. And then all of a sudden it's like, but the people are powerful, large, and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, the Amalekites. There was different people groups living there, right, in this hill country. And the Canaanites live among the coast of Mediterranean Sea along the valley, uh, the Jordan Valley. And then it goes on. He says, um, but Caleb, he tried to quiet the people as they stood. So Caleb and, and Joshua recognized that the, the, the position, the attitude of the community was going like this, down pretty quick. So he steps up and he tries to say, no, 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 wait, wait, guys, you're getting the wrong perspective. Let me, let me tell you, let's go and take the land at once. We can certainly conquer it. So Caleb has this perspective. Guys, God spoke it. Remember all those miracles he's done, which it, it was incredible. He did 10 pretty amazing miracles in Egypt to free them. And then... There was 10 other things he did that people complained about in, in the wilderness. They, like, they, they, they made the negative out of what God did as a positive. And they're continually trying to not listen to God, even though he did these miracles, which people say, like, if God does something amazing for me, then I'll believe. No, it's not always true. God does some amazing things, and sometimes people still don't believe. But Caleb says, we should believe. The, the land really is, is fruitful. It's, it's going to be amazing. Let's go there, right? And he says, certainly we can conquer it. So he's a positive. But the other men... Who had explored the land with him, they grabbed Caleb and Joshua and says, no, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are, right? And Caleb's like, no, we can do it. No, you can't. Yes, we can. No, you're weak. You can see this battle between them, right? They're kind of like, we can do this. And the other guys, to the point that they're so frustrated that it actually, they wanted to stone and kill Caleb and Joshua. Because they're like, they're going to get us killed, right? So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. And all the people that we saw there were huge. You can see, like, they're just, like, little by little, like, saying, like, this is, this is horrible, right? We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. So they saw, they thought, it impacted how they felt and how they saw themselves. And notice what they said, grasshoppers, giants, 
grasshopper, right? And this is not like the Mr. Miyagi grasshopper thing, like, come on, grasshopper, you can do this, right? This is like insecure, small, feeble, like you can get stepped on by anything that's bigger than you, right? And that's what we thought, too. That's what they thought, too. So they're saying our perspective was this, not this. They were giving us the finger where Caleb and Joshua say, no, God was saying, go, you can get all of it, right? There's grapes, there's pomegranates, there's figs, go get them. So he's trying to encourage them to do this. So the whole, then, then it says that finally God says, fine, you guys don't want to take it, you don't want to trust me, ne- never mind, we're not going to go. And it says the whole community began to weep aloud, they cried all night, and their voices rose to, in a great chorus, protest against Moses. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, and they complained. At this point, God says, why, why is... They said, why is the Lord taking us to the country only to have us die in battle, right? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to have returned to Egypt there? Slaves? So they're saying, wouldn't it be easier just to be slaves? Like they forget what it's like to be a slave. And if we're not careful, we, we have that same tendency. It's easier to be a slave than it is to be free. Because a slave, you're always told what to do. You know what to expect. A free person always has the responsibility to choose every single day what they're going to do. So a slave is always going to be in this position. A free person gets to choose this position, right? And so the Lord tells Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me even after all the miracles, miraculous signs I have done among them? Are they still not going to believe me? That's it. They can't go into the promised land. He says, I'm going to destroy them. It's not going to be good. Moses says, well, God, you just, just let me, let's work with them. Let's figure out how to move forward. So eventually he says, okay, I'll let their kids go. But those that didn't believe me this generation, they're not going to enter until all of them are, die off in the wilderness. And it says, but there's one man. He says, but my, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. So they're not going to, the old people that didn't believe me, they're not going to inherit, their kids will, but this guy will. Him and, him and Joshua and Caleb, two out of the ten, two out of the twelve, are going to inherit this land because they believe me. Notice what a different translation says about Caleb. It says, but my servant Caleb has a different, what, attitude, a different mindset. Because he sees things differently, because he trusts me, he has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. He and his descendants will possess their full share of the land. But the rest of you, you're going to wander. And it's going to turn out to be about 40 years they wander. Another 38 years they wander in the wilderness until that generation dies off, and then Joshua and Caleb will lead the next generation into the promised land. I feel like sometimes when I meet, meet people that have been Christians for a long time, they've fallen Jesus for a long time, if they're not careful... Their position is this. It's just a waiting game for heaven, right? Well, I've got to endure. And, and they become like those people just wandering, and they never realize the life that God has for them. Don't ever become that person, right? Whatever, however many amount of years you've been following Christ, don't ever become this place where you're just like, well, it's never going to get better here. I'm just going to have to wait till heaven, and it'll be good. No, become a person that says, whatever God says, I believe. Whatever he's, he's asking us to do, I'm going to go, and I'm going to say yes to it. Because those are the people that inherit the land. Those are the people that are successful. Those are the people that accomplish the purposes God asks us to accomplish so there's a, a doctor she's a neuroscientist her name is dr carolyn leaf um i think she's fantastic one because she loves jesus but then she uses science to help back up what scripture talks about in fact when she was first starting her career she was going to, to, to school all these things she, they were teaching her just didn't line up with what she read in the bible so she kept saying like there's a there's a disconnect here they're saying this but the bible says this like where is the what's the difference so they were te- when she was in school they were telling her that you couldn't change your mind like there was a certain age that your mind became hard 
and you're no longer able to change the way you thought about things. So as a young kid, you're very pliable, and you can, you can be molded, right? But then at a certain age, you just, you're, you're, your brain is no longer able to change. And that's what they believed for a long time, is you were, it was fixed. Well, she began to do research and study, even with, with people that had brain damage and different illnesses, and they found out that you can change the way you think. And so her and her team actually was a breakthrough a while back that they made the discovery that they call it, your brain, brain is, is called neuroplasticity, that you can actually change. It's, it's still, you can still form it and mold it even when you're older, even when you, if you had some brain damages, things like that. So it's a choice that we make actually to change it. She says this. She says in, in one of her books, she says, um, a mindset is an attitude or a cluster of thoughts with attached information and emotions that generate a particular perspective. So a mindset, right, it's an attitude, or it's a cluster of thoughts with attached information that impacts your emotions, so how you think, how you feel, and the choices you make, right? That's your, that's your mind. Um, it's, it's impact mess. So it's a mindset. Is it positive or is it neg- negative, right? Positive or negative. And it always generates a particular perspective in life. So your attitude when you wake up in the morning about the day, is it like this or is it like this? How do you view things, Right? Because, remember, our, our, our life is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So if your thoughts are negative, your life's going to move in a negative direction. If thoughts are positive, they're going to move in a positive direction. So let me, let me show you a video of a talk she did. On, it's on her YouTube page. You can go find it, um, where she's addressing a group of people and talking about um, toxic thoughts and having healthy thoughts. Just watch this video, and I'll come finish talking. Perspective. But when, you, when we get toxic, you are literally causing brain damage. So when you get envious, jealous, angry, frustrated, whatever, you are causing neurochemical chaos in your brain. You have no wiring in your brain for anger, frustration, or any level of toxicity. So therefore, when you choose to get in that state of mind and make those and get into that level of that way of thinking, you are breaking down your brain. You are increasing your chance of getting physical diseases by 75 to 98%. You are increasing your chance of getting really sick in the next 12 months by 43%. You are increasing your chance of increasing, of damaging your mind health and getting more depression, anxiety, etc., etc., by 75 to 98%. This is pretty serious because that's not mental self-care. If you are constantly in a state where you're frustrated and anxious and getting irritated and you don't control it, if you don't bring those thoughts into captivity and renew your mind and do all those great things, you are damaging your brain bottom line. We have nothing in our brain, no structures, no circuits, no wiring, no proteins, no particles, no subatomic particles, no waves of energy for anything except healthy thinking, healthy feeling, healthy choosing. But we're free will agents, so we can choose wrong. We can choose the wrong perspective. But to help us in this journey, getting a handle on mindsets really does help. So one of the ways to train yourself to be much more How many of you guys want to know the one thing that you train yourself to be more, right? You have to watch the video. Anyways, I can't recommend her enough because, one, she loves Jesus, but she also helps us show what science is teaching us about the brain, about thinking, right, and mindsets, which is so important. But did you catch that? If you have toxic negative thoughts, you actually open yourself up 75 to 98% more susceptible to illness and to disease and to sickness. That's incredible. So if you're, when you're negative thinking, is actually going to make you more susceptible to it. So for Easter, I pushed back against some of the anti-mask people, right? So, hey, as Jesus followers, we need to figure out ways to build bridges, not tear them down, right? Let's love those that have a lot of fear. Let me push back against the other group. 
the ones that have a lot of fear, right? One thing that I really didn't like about, about, about the messaging that we used this last year in culture and media did this over and over is be afraid, be very afraid, right? Isolate, mask up, stay in your bubble, stay out of mind, right? If the message was all fear, 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 the thing that they didn't do, they didn't say, hey, you should take some vitamins, especially vitamin D, right? And there's some other ones that go, work along with vitamin D that you should be taking. It's going to help you stay healthy, right? You should be, do some active, active things that keep your body moving. They didn't say that. They said, be afraid, be very afraid. And then what happens when you're afraid and you're fearful? It's a toxic thought. So now what happens? You're actually more susceptible to catch COVID than to, to battle it. So by being negative, by listening to the wrong messaging, by believing everything I just said, you actually set yourself up to be like the t- 10 spies that say, man, my life is just not going to be very good. Where God is saying, hey, hey, who's you going to believe? Are you going to believe my report? Are you going to believe Joshua and Caleb's report? Are you going to believe the, the 10 spies that are negative? What are you going to believe in your life? In fact, I remember growing up, there's this song, uh, it goes like this, whose report will you believe? And it's like, we will re- believe the report of the Lord. It's like a, I don't know, cool song, I guess. But when I was preparing this, it came back to my mind, like, whose report will you believe? We will repeat, re- believe the report of the Lord. It's like, we have a choice every single day, right? Am I going to believe what God says about me, or am I going to believe what the past has said about me? Am I going to believe what could be, or am I going to always say, I'm just stuck? I'm like that elephant, right? That man that's just, I tried it once, it didn't work, so now I'm just, there's a rope around my neck, I'm just, I'm an addict, I'm stuck, I can never get out. Or are you going to say, you know what, there's something better for me? Are you going to be like maybe those, those monkeys that were in the cage, right? When somebody goes up and says, I can do this, you know, I can pull them down. No, it's not possible. Like the 10 spies? No, we can. No, you can't. It's like, who are you going to be in this? Who's, whose word are you going to believe in the middle of this? So Dr. Karen Leaf, she's saying a mindset is an attitude, right? It's a cluster of thoughts that actually impacts your perspective let me give you a couple other um one resource i'd highly recommend it's one of her books it's called uh think learn succeed great book it talks about those all those mindsets that were in the corner that she was talking about right it goes to these different mindsets which are attitudes right how to how to approach life so if you have negative thinking this would be a great resource for you to tap into Uh, on her instagram facebook youtube you can kind of research and and she always puts out these quotes so if you're negative thinking this is a great way to help you have a maybe a a, a different perspective in the day here's a couple quotes that she puts she says this an attitude is a state of mind that produces a reaction in every cell of the body so your thoughts produce reactions in every cell of your body if it's negative it's impacting you in a negative way one of the chapters she talked about if if your family's ever struggled mental mental illness or health like as you get older right dementia things like that a lot of times, it's the negative thoughts that actually lead to the, to the, to the brain become that way. We can we combat that. And she says, eventually, it's a resultant in behavior. So you have the wrong state of mind, it'll produce the wrong outcomes, and it'll make you unhealthy. So negative thoughts. She says this, negative, toxic thoughts, they actually shift your body's focus to protection and survival. So when you're negative, you're always saying like, man, I'm in danger, I'm in danger, I'm in danger, which causes the wrong levels of chemicals to raise in your body, which makes you more susceptible to sickness rather than saying I'm, I'm in the right, pers- the right perspective, right? And it reduces your ability to protect and think with wisdom or grow healthy thoughts. So when you have toxic thoughts, you're actually not even wise. You're unwise because your brain is not thinking clearly, but it, it also limits you from seeing the positive in that. So she's saying we have a choice to make. Are we going to have a good mindset, good perspective, or are we going to have a negative mindset, not negative perspective? So she also says this attitude, it reflects the state, reflect the state of mind we're in, and that cannot be hidden. So your attitude is always revealed to others, right? What, what is the state of mind that you have? It reflects the position, it reflects the attitude that you have. So Paul who has a very, he's, he's, I would say, like the coach in all of this, the mindsets, right? He's always helping us to see 
how to see the right perspective. He's like a Joshua and Caleb, right? God said it, let's do it. We can accomplish it. And he's always encouraged us to do this. So he says this about Jesus in Philippians 2. He says this, uh, one about mindsets. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, right? Be humble. And then notice he says thinking. Thinking is a big part of this. Thinking of others is better than yourself. So have the right perspective. Have the right thinking. Don't look only out for your own interest, but take interest in others too. So have the right perspective about life. It's not just about you. Don't be selfish. Don't have a selfish perspective. Have a generous perspective. And he says this, you must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Another translation says the same mindset. So you must have the same attitude. What kind of attitude do you just have? He's a son of God. He has all the resources. His dad told him he's going to die on this cross, but he's going to come back to life. And, he, and, and the, the work he did on the cross and the grave is going to free humankind from slavery to sin. So he has this perspective like, Whatever happens, God's going to work this out. It's going to be an amazing thing. And so he tells us, Paul, have that same attitude as Christ. And what did that look like? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant. He was, he was born as a human being. So he's saying he had the right perspective. He knew that whatever he faced, God was going to use it for good. It says that he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So obedience is always what God's after, right? Obedience is saying, just trust me. Have, 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 when I ask you to do something, it's for your own good. What happens a lot of times, negative thoughts, is we can't see the bigger perspective. So we're going through something difficult, and we think, God doesn't love me. He's making me go through something hard. No. He sees that this battle you're about to face, you're going to become a better version of yourself after you get past this battle. You'll just trust him. So through the battle, instead of saying, God's no good, you say, God is good, and I'm trusting him to develop in me whatever it is. Because he sees the big picture. He sees beyond it. And he's saying obedience is the thing that's going to lead you to the other side. Obedience is the thing that's going to help you get to the next level. Negative thinking never will. So he's obedient to Christ. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of honor and gave him the name above all names. The name above all names that, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and in earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when we believe God and have obedience and trust him, there's always a better outcome on the, on the, on the op- other side of it. And so often what happens when we go through things like COVID or elections or whatever we're going through, we tend to do, become like this, right? And we're only thinking, seeing the negative. We're only looking at the wrong perspective. And the whole time God is saying that's not going to produce something in you. That's, it's going to take you to, the, to a lower level, not a higher level, to learn to trust me. So the question is, who will you believe? Wh- which, which voice are you going to believe in your life? Are you going to believe God's? Are you going believe, to believe the enemies? The enemy always wants to take us down. God has always wanted to build us up. Culture. Culture is going to drag us down because it's, it's to a point of immaturity, not to a point of maturity. So Paul tells in Romans 12, he says, um, don't conform to the, the patterns of this world, right? Don't conform. Don't just fit in to this pattern because it is a pattern. It's a way of thinking. It's a mindset that, that our culture teaches, t- tells us to think. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is what Dr. Karen Leaf was referring to when she said, what they were teaching me when I was first in school to what we discovered is you can actually renew your mind from old ways of thinking, old thought patterns, old, old ways that keep you stuck. You can renew your mind, right? And the Bible tells us the way you do that is by, by trusting God's word, by learning his word, learning the truth. Then you'll be able to, to test and approve that, that what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you allow him to begin to transform the way you think, you'll then begin to able to see what he wants for you in your life, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. So you want to know what God's will for your life is? It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. If you'll trust him, even when it's hard, you're saying, God, it's really hard today, 
but I'm going to trust you because I know that you're strengthening me. And instead of seeing it as the difficulty as, as a negative, you see it as a positive. It's a weight that's helping us to create some more endurance, to get some more muscles in our life so we can become everything he wants us to become. So which perspective or position will you choose each day? This week, every single day. In fact, they say our brains, we can change our thoughts every six, six, six seconds or so. That if you have a negative thought, hey, in six seconds, you can actually change it to a positive. You don't have to stay in that. You don't have to stay stuck. But the, the, the question is, which perspective will you choose for your life? Go ahead and work, right? Or are you going to say this? I hear people say, I'm not a horrible boss. So it's always horrible, 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 horrible. So their position going to work is like this all the time. So what can you expect out of work except this all the time? You can't control your boss. If he is horrible, I'm sorry. But at some point you have to say, you know what? I'm going to do the best I can. My scoreboard is not my boss. My scoreboard is not what others are doing. My scoreboard is how well I'm doing, how faithful I am, how hard I'm working. And then when others come in and pull you down, like you're, you know, you can always choose to pull back up. It's a choice that we make. So are you going to follow, listen to God's perspective or are you going to listen to the world's perspective? Are you going to have a, maybe your past perspective that was always been is going to stay that way? Maybe a selfish perspective? Or are you going to say, God, I'm going to believe your, what you're asking me to do? So here's my challenge. My challenge is would you renew your mind with God's word? Would you believe what he has spoken? So we have to learn to get to a place where we believe what God has spoken is going to be reality. Like Joshua and Caleb, that he said, this land is yours. Go and take it. Level up. Go to the next level with me. We're going to believe like them saying, God, we're going to believe what you spoke. We're going to have this kind of attitude, this kind of mindset, this kind of position, right? We're going to believe it. So the way we do that, Paul says, we capture and replace those thoughts, those negative thoughts. When you find yourself like this, you, you take hold of that thought that says, why am I so being so negative about this specific thing? We say, God, help me to see what you see. And we give it to God and we become, replace it with his truth. So this takes us being comfortable with God's word. It takes us being comfortable with what God is speaking to us. Every single week, I'm trying to bring something of this to help you to be able to say, this week I didn't work on this one thing so I can become better, all right? So my challenge. This week, would you allow God to work in your mind? Because if you win here, you'll begin to see yourself winning in other areas and it's saying, God, I want to think the way you think. So how do we do this? Well, you have to have a change of mind, a change of thought. The Bible, the word the Bible uses is repent. So this, this word in the Bible, repent, sometimes people think it's a negative, right? This is a positive word. It means that when you're on, on the road in the wrong direction and the GPS is saying you need to U-turn, you're going the wrong direction, it's like you're getting further away from your destination, repent just means you stop the car and you turn around. Maybe not stop it, but you, you turn around, right? You don't get hit from behind. You, you turn around, you go the other way. You begin to, to make that change. In the Old, the Old Testament, it was about the heart. You have a change of heart that I'm not going to believe my way, I'm going to believe God's way. In the New Testament, Paul uses the word trans- to, to, to repent. is It's a change of mind. It's to have a new thought. So when you're walking down a negative path and you're thinking this is going to be horrible, horrible, repent means I'm going to stop having that thought. God, what is your thought that you want me to have? So it's a change of direction in our lives. So following Jesus means that we stop following our own way, stop following the world's way, and we follow his way. So to repent means I'm going to stop this direction. I'm going to go your direction. So today... At many points in our lives, all of us have to do that. We need to stop the negative one, and we need to go in the direction God is leading us to. So as we end our service, do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head as I end? I want to say a prayer over us, and then I want to give an opportunity for those that are watching online or those in the building that um, would like to repent, like, like to ask God to lead you in a new direction. I want to give you an opportunity to pray that. So let me pray first. God, we're so grateful for this opportunity for us to gather together. God, for, I pray for all those in the Grove Central now that as we've come together, that we would learn and we would grow. Father, we know that how we think is so important. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord God, to learn how to have better thoughts, 
God, you'd help us to learn how to pay attention to what we're thinking. God, that you'd work in our lives to become the individuals and the families and the couples and that you want us to be. God, that we would all level up, Lord, as we trust your word. God, we, we look at what you've spoken to us about our future, and it's bright. It's amazing. Help us to trust you, Lord God, to, be, to, to, to walk that process of becoming the, next, the better version of ourselves every single day. God, I pray for those that have that, that negative disposition, Lord God, that they would begin to recognize what's causing it, what's driving that, and they'd begin to change that so they'd have healthier relationships. God, I, I pray that you'd help us to choose healthy, positive attitudes no matter what we face. God, that you're going to work it out for good. You're going to do something amazing through it. No matter what we face in life, God, that we trust you, that you have good plans for us, that you'll use it for good if we'll walk through that, Lord. Make us stronger even through the difficulties. Help us to see beyond what we can see. Let's trust you, Father God. Let's not stay stuck. For you in this room or watching online, if maybe you're at a place where you say, you know what, I, I want to have God's thoughts. I want to be able to live a life that would honor him. I want to live a life that is not going my own direction, but going God's direction. So if you're in this room today, I'm not going to call you to the front, but just lead you in a prayer right there in your seat. If you're watching online, you want to pray this prayer. Just do me a favor. Let me know you're here by lifting your hands, saying that's me today. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to have his thoughts. I want to follow his lead. Awesome. I see a few hands going up. Anybody else? I, I say yes to you today. Help me to have your perspective. Help me to have your position, your attitude, your mindset. Give me my ways. The Bible says that if we'll confess that Jesus is Lord, we'll believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, we'll be saved. So it starts our relationship. It's a belief. It's a confession. So today we're going to do that. We're going to confess. We're going to believe. So if you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer? And if you're just following this room, would you pray with us so that those that raise their hand are not praying alone? Say this today. Say, Father God, today I put my trust in you. I want to follow your lead. I want to follow your example. Forgive me of my sins, of my past. Thank you for dying on that cross in my place. Thank you for raising from the grave. I put my trust in you. I confess today that Jesus is Lord of my life. I want to follow your lead. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. He's alive today to help me, to prove that we have power over sin and over the grave. Today I put my trust in you. I choose to follow your lead. Help me to be healthy in all areas of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those that prayed in person, online. So good.